with the trade deadline just a few hours away, the Arizona Cardinals seem to be standing pat, and everybody needs to be okay with that if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, Locked On Cardinals. Uh, this has been a long journey through the first seven weeks, week eight, kind of being a nice little reprieve for this team. And uh, the Arizona Cardinals can still make a splash. Neither Bo nor I think it's going to happen. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real gener- generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. The Arizona Cardinals will most likely look from 1-53 to 53 on game day like they look right now for the rest of the 2020 NFL season, and we're okay with that. That's your Lockdown Cardinals lead story. I'm Alex Clancy with Bo Brock. The Cardinals traded for DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. They signed Devondre Campbell. They signed Devon Kennard, or Devondre Campbell. They signed Devon Kennard. They signed Jordan Phillips. They traded for Marcus Golden last week. This is going to be the team that the Arizona Cardinals will roster for the rest of the season, barring any sort of crazy last-minute trade that neither Bo nor I are expecting. Bo, should the Arizona Cardinals fans be happy and content with the roster the Cardinals currently have? Yeah, absolutely. I think if one thing that we learned from Week 8, watching other teams play, especially the NFC West division rivals, is that the Arizona Cardinals actually are doing okay depth-wise. When you look at how depleted San Francisco is, and even, even Seattle, who you know, is, is very talented offensively, but we know that they have their shortcomings as far on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they might have added Carlos Dunlap, but they're still, they still lack pass rushers. And the Arizona Cardinals, even without Chandler Jones, with the addition of Marcus Golden, you've got Dennis Gardeck, you've got Hassan Reddick, you've got Kylie Fitz, you've got a stable of guys who have the ability to get after the pass, the, the passer each and every down, and I don't think any of the teams in the NFC West can really say that. The Rams, too, because of where they are as far as how they're handcuffed with their salary cap going into this season. So I think that the Arizona Cardinals, I I mentioned the pass rush, I think in the defensive secondary. You know, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, said that Prince of Mucamara, he's close to being able to play and contribute, uh, who's currently on the practice squad, a guy that they signed a couple weeks ago. So this is a team that is gearing up for a stretch run, and if you're a Cardinals fan, I think that you you can be content with where the roster is because talent-wise, they were there to start the season. They've added since then, and they've stayed relatively healthy outside of the injury of uh, Chandler Jones. And in the situation that we're looking at right now, it's going to be too much to get anybody that can be an actual integral piece, an impact guy for the 2020 season. When you look at the Cardinals not having a fourth-round pick because they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, not having a sixth-round pick because they traded for Marcus Gold. And you're looking at one, two, three, five, seven. And when you look at the the salary cap situation where Buda Baker just got paid, rightfully so, Patrick Peterson, if he continues to play on this level or somewhere close to it, you're going to have to pay him in the offseason. And then Chandler Jones is two years away. So the it, I've gone back and forth because there's two different schools of thought. One – these, this team's young. You don't need to get any younger. Go out and get an impact guy, trade a second or third round pick, 
and you'll be able to you know take a couple steps instead of having to build up through the draft and maybe having those draft picks not pan out because the draft by and large is a crapshoot regardless of how well uh, players play in college. Now, the other school of thought is you build through the draft, you have cheap contracts, and you could sign free agents for kind of a heftier sum with all of the talent. And if you hit on a draft pick, they're going to be cheaper for four or five years. Uh, and you have your veteran guys making all the money until it flips when the veteran guys probably retire or go elsewhere. And then the rookie guys who are three or four years in will get that money if 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 they deserve it. I'm happy with where we're at watching the Cardinals, Bo. Like, I don't think that there is a huge glaring need, aside just from depth across the board, I don't think there's one thing where it's like, you know what, this is going to be a problem not only this year, but will need to be addressed in the draft. I feel like from here on, you're just getting depth and hopefully one of the draft picks will pop. I just don't think that a a trade needs to be made at this point. Yeah, it uh, it would pretty much it would bankrupt you kind of draft capital wise, and you would see you saw what happened with the Niners last year uh, when they traded away a few picks, and they were able to trade back into the first round and, and get themselves Brandon Ayuk at the end of the first round. But after that, the cupboard was pretty bare. So it is important to kind of, especially when you have building blocks that are as young as Kyler Murray is, and hopefully that Isaiah Simmons will develop into that you can kind of move forward with those guys and then surround them with more youth. Um, and the only way to do that is to hold on to a couple of your key draft picks. I think that uh, Steve Kime has made some savvy moves as far as picking up Prince off of the uh, waiver wire, adding Devontae Bos- Busby from the Broncos practice squad. It's He's somebody that they think they can add to the back end of that defense and fill in in the quarterback position right now. He's fifth on the depth chart. And then you've got, uh, you know, all the, you've got the depth at middle linebacker. You've got the depth at pass rush defensive line. It's looking good with Jordan Phillips and quarter Peters. I mean, as far as the defense is concerned, I think uh, you're just hoping for those guys to just take a step forward in their performance, even though they've had a, a pretty hot start, but they've been going against uh, not necessarily the uh, cream of the crop as far as NFL offenses are concerned, but uh I like where they are. I mean, offensively, it's probably they probably lack less depth wise on the offensive side of the football than they do on the defensive side. You know, I could see them making a trade. Like John Ross is a name that's popped up. Like, if they want to trade a seventh round pick for a wide receiver to get some potential fresh uh, blood with with an athlete to come in here, I mean, why not at this point? Like, you're looking at trying to overload the opposing defense as much as possible with speed, a mixture of speed and just sheer talent from the wide receiver position. And Andy Isabella flashing the pan had three touchdowns through the first three weeks, I believe. But if you can get a guy to replace him in that position, whether it be just a deep ball threat or, you know, a guy for four wide sets in an effort to just, I don't know, bolster the, the wide receiving core. Because look, Bo, the wide receiving core is top heavy, but it's not deep. And I think that's pretty obvious that, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk seems to go coming back to his college self with his production. Um, he's stringing along some games where he's healthy and playing well. He's obviously a favorite target of Kyler Murray. But they don't have a third guy. Larry Fitzgerald's not a third guy at this point. He They don't use him like that anymore. They use him more like a tight end, possession guy, five, seven yards, turn around, catch the ball. They don't have anybody else that can really stretch the field. So if they were to trade for somebody low impact like a John Ross or something like that, um, I, I'd be cool with that. Something, you know, obviously, seventh-round pick, 
if not this year, you know, sixth round pick, 2022, something like that, I'd be cool with. But other than that, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think all in all, this is a good situation that the Cardinals find themselves in through eight weeks coming off their bye with Miami coming into town in week nine. Coming up next, we took another look at all the games from Sunday, and we're just going to kind of see where the Cardinals are in jockeying for position atop the NFC, see how far away they are from being one of the better teams in the NFC if they aren't already. That's next Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. So, Built Go, okay? Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. So, what is Built Go? It's the best workout gel on the market, okay? It allows you to break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, put in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket just to get through the day. It's pretty much five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. So how does Built Go work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, beta-alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks to keep me going strong. B6, B12 vitamins, 10,000% of your daily need with B12 with Built Go. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, and this stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BillGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team out every day. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, at Locked on AZ Cards on Twitter. Follow Bo at Bob Rack. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. The Cardinals couldn't have had a better bye week. Just to watch things unfold. Things started to get more clear, and then they got murkier. We don't really know exactly where the Cardinals stand in the NFC, but let's just say, again, reminding people, they are not where we thought they would be through eight weeks, sitting at 5-2, and two, near the top of not just the NFC, but the NFL with record. Bo, there are a lot of teams that have five wins in the NFC. Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, Saints, Bucks, uh where would where do you think you'd put and the Bears Packers? Where do you think you'd put the Cardinals in the hierarchy of the NFC? I, like I feel like we take the Saints, the Bucks, the Seahawks, and maybe have them tied with the Packers for fourth. Where would you put them? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, and I think right now, after what I've seen the last couple of weeks and the way the teams are trending, I would have the Bucks number one as far as my NFC power rankings go. And I know the Packers laid an egg. I think that there's a, and they beat the Saints earlier this season. So those two teams are somewhere between two and three. And then you have the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Cardinals beat the Seahawks, but I'm going to give them the early edge right now and have the Cardinals at the, is the fifth best team in the NFC. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's ahead fair. of the bears. Yeah. Um, And then I've got, actually I have the Rams ahead of the bears. Yeah, I think the Bears are the worst team with five wins that we've ever seen through eight weeks. 
That's the, I, I, I completely <laughs> I mean, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I absolutely do. Every see, time I watch them, I'm like, how does this team win? I mean, see, I, I, I don't understand it. See, that's a um, thing like that's that's a team, the Bears, that you want to see win as many games as possible. That's a team where you want to ride like it would have been huge for the NFC if they would have uh, uh, taken out um, the uh, the Saints in overtime. You know, that's something yeah. that anytime that they are a higher seed, it's better for everybody else in the NFC because they should be an easy out in the playoffs barring any sort of you know, snowstorm in Chicago if they were to win the AF- the NFC North. Right. And I'm, I think I'm putting the Saints back on trial because I think the jury's still out on them. I mean, I thought I knew who the Saints were going into the season. They've been what they have back-to-back 13-3 and three seasons. Obviously, they, they're a team that you would put into the contenders category the last, you know, four to five seasons, and, and something's happened in the postseason to, to knock them out. But, you know, Drew Brees is looking a little bit more like his age. No Michael Thomas the last couple games. He's, you know, his his situation is in flux. And uh, they're just not the team they once were. They're Alvin Kamara. And that defense has had, you know, struggles as far as injuries and just struggles even with people on the field. So the Saints, I think the Cardinals could be better than the Saints right now. Like the 2020 Cardinals could be better than the 2020 Saints. I, I think know, that's man. possible. I don't know. I mean, it's just like what they've been doing without Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas for the majority of the season. Definitely not together. Michael Thomas has missed six straight games, I believe. Like when but they that situation doesn't seem to be getting better. No, but Alvin Kamara is really good. And Alvin Kamara <laughs> is Alvin Kamara is the reason why they're relevant. And the defense it isn't getting as much credit as it deserves. Uh, the defense is very fickle, and it has been. Like, last year even, they could win ugly games, low scoring, or there could be 100 points scored at home against the 49ers where they would lose, I think, at the end, uh, with a field goal at the end of the game. So the defense there, with Marshawn Lattimore, with Cameron Jordan, with uh, with Marcus Davenport, that is a an overlooked defense. I would still give... Just the edge, I, I I think it's a no-brainer, at least in my opinion right now, to Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and them just for sheer experience. Yeah, and that's fair. That's absolutely fair, and I, and I think that that's there, and that's always going to be underlying. And if, if they can get those players that we've no, we've seen over the last couple of years that have helped them get to thirteen and three seasons, then absolutely they're going to be they're going to be a force. But you never know. I mean, these injuries could linger, and they could never get to full strength throughout the season. I'm just saying, as of right now, like if if I saw the Cardinals play the Saints, I would have a tough time, you know, saying that the that the Saints were going to win that game. But the one the you mentioned that they have an edge as far as being able to win ugly. We haven't had to see the Cardinals really win an ugly matchup just yet. They've either won running away. They did have the matchup with the Niners in the first in the season opener, but season openers are different animals, different beasts, and we've come, you know. We, that's we're very far removed from that but and then when you look at the rest of the the nfc it's like everybody else like a platter of ham sandwiches and then in the nfc east it's like the best nfc east team is philly at three four and one and they're barely in the top 20 as far as nfc east or nfc teams go yeah and i believe right now if the playoffs were to start today the cardinals would be traveling to Philly wow to play the 4-5 matchup i believe that's the case uh and um i don't listen going on the road to play any game in the nfl it's definitely any any given sunday's a real thing 
It's cold. Like, it's – the Cardinals – listen, my, my point is that I don't think the Cardinals are ready for playoff football yet. Like, it's great that they're where they are right now, but there is a lot of learning that still needs to happen here, and there is a lot more – just lot, not a lot more Cliff needs to learn as a head coach and play caller before the yep. Cardinals get into the playoff picture. And I don't think that that's – like a big knock. I, I think that that's no, this is organic. We, the expectation is that they are going to develop and they are going to, you know, turn into that, that team that's going to be ready for the playoffs between now and then. And, and lucky for them, that's not starting, but you know, it'd be like returning the favor for like when the Arizona Cardinals went to the super bowl, they were the NFC West champion at like nine and seven. And they hosted the Eagles who had a better record just because the Cardinals had won their division that game and they they blew them out so they would have to travel to philly just be in a similar situation to play against a team that's probably going to finish 500 or worse alex lancy bobrock locked on cardinals um again trade deadline we're recording this podcast before the actual trade deadline if anything happens obviously after bo and i will hop on and do an emergency podcast for tuesday night uh but as of right now, we're not thinking that the Cardinals are going to make any moves. There haven't really been any rumblings. John Ross was just a guy that we had kind of taken a dart throw because he wants out of uh, of Cincinnati. I know that I've been, like, in a perfect fantasy world, I would love J.J. Watt to be on the Arizona Cardinals. I don't care. I'll give up a third-round pick for him for a couple years because it, it would be fun, but I don't think that there's a chance that that happens. Stephon Gilmore's probably out. It'll be interesting to see what teams will go after him and what the price tag would be, especially because the Patriots look terrible right now and they want to crew as many draft picks as they possibly can. Um, coming up next, though, this is where the stretch begins for the Cardinals. And you can look at the rest of the schedule and actually have a little bit more of a definitive idea of which games they should probably win and which games will just be competitive or that they be underdogs in. And which players need to step up that haven't stepped up as much as we thought they would have through seven weeks? All that next, Locked on Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals schedule is one that maybe when the season started, Bo and I thought would be a little bit more difficult because, you know, neither of us really knew what the Cardinals would be talent-wise, how everything would mesh. We knew they'd improve, but the fact that they would match their win total from the 2019 season before Week 8, even though you pick win-loss, oh yeah, they'll be 5-2 and two by the bye week. Look at this. I mean, it's cool to think that, but it's if I would have said, you need to put down this amount of money and you tell me how many games you really think they're going to win, I feel like people would have less than five, when even when people say that they had five going into the bye week. The schedule is kind of panning out to where it may look not as um, stressful, not as difficult as other teams may have to face, but that doesn't mean that the Cardinals are just going to go in and win games that they, quote-unquote, now are supposed to win just because Vegas says so. So, Bo, let's look at the schedule quickly before we jump into people that uh, need to step up in the second half of the season for the Cardinals. If I were to tell you that the Cardinals will win three out of the next four games in the Dolphins, Bills at home, Seahawks on the road, Patriots on the road. 
what would you say to me if I told you the Cardinals would win three out of the next four games? They're vying for a top seed in the NFC. Do you think that that. that's possible? Like, not possible. Anything's possible. They could win out. But do you think that the Cardinals will win three of the next four games? Dolphins, Bills at home, Seahawks, Patriots on the road. No, I don't think so. I think that they split those games. I think that that Buffalo is a tough matchup, and I think Seattle on the road. But I do expect them to beat the Dolphins, and I do expect them to go on the road and beat the Patriots. But, you know, it it could be – you could interchange, you know, a loss in Foxborough and – you know, I, I, I three and one would be fantastic, and and to to have that to to even have, be able to discuss that and debate that is is pretty phenomenal. And if they if they do win that and, and they go three and one, you know, I I wouldn't be completely shocked, but I, I would be like, wow, this team is way better than than we expected. And I I haven't been able to shake off those two bad losses from earlier in the season, but I, I think two and two would probably be the most realistic, but. Um, Anything less than that, you know, you can't lose to Miami and you can't lose, you can't lose to New England. You can't go one and three on that stretch to to kind of come from the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, if they go two and two with five games to play, they have seven wins. That's they pretty yeah. much lock themselves into the seven seed at that point, right? Yeah, especially if you're playing the Giants and you're playing the Eagles after that, right? And the, and the Niners team on in Week 16, which I, I mean, I fully anticipate the Niners to be just by that point in the season. Uh, an afterthought yeah I mean it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens like this is something that you could look and see how with how bad the the AFC East is compared to I don't know what people thought with the Patriots I mean who knows like pff, who knows if Cam Newton's gonna be the quarterback of, of the Patriots after the trade like we have no idea what's gonna happen we have is no idea what's gonna bad thing I mean I mean would you oh it's a great thing it's a great thing okay I think it's a great thing because Regardless of how they've played against other people, they played the Jet. They played the Bills tough. You know they got they got uh, embarrassed by San Francisco, but they played the Bills tough. If you look at Harris, the young run, running back, Sony Michelle, I think will be back by then. They have Rex Burkhead, they have James White, they have Cam Newton. I could definitely see the Patriots running for over two hundred yards against the Cardinals and winning seventeen thirteen. You know, they could win ugly. And we haven't seen, like, the Cardinals' defense hasn't been the anchor. I guess you could say against Dallas, they were the anchor. But there was also just craziness. Like, the Cardinals haven't been a defense where you can say, you know what, this offense isn't doing jack, go win the game for us. We haven't seen that. And I feel like that's a game where we could see that. And we'd have to see the Cardinals do it. And... The Cardinals have won ugly, but they've only won ugly because the team they were playing against was ugly. You know, the Cardinals-Jets and then Cardinals-Cowboys. Like, the Cardinals haven't won a 13-9 game like they did with the against the Giants last year. You know, where it was an ugly game, and Chase Edmonds had a great day, but it was just ugly all around. That would be a Patriots game, I would assume. That's not going to be a barn burner. And you could win. Like, I would give the edge to Belichick there than I would over a more talented Cardinals team. Well, also, I think keep in mind, you know, New England's probably, I mean, we'll see what they do with Stephon Gilmore within the next couple hours. But, uh, you know, if if he's gone, that takes away a big component on their, on their side, on that defensive side of the football. And it gets a little bit easier for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and crew sure. to put up points. It's just, we'll see what the Patriots do. 
Also, you got to keep in mind when we are trying to forecast the schedule, that's, you know, say the Seahawks make a move for, for Stephon Gilmore or the Eagles make a move for Stephon Gilmore. Both those guys are on, both those teams are on the Cardinal schedule. That transforms what they're doing defensively um, and, and what they can do. I mean, he's just, he's a game changing defensive back. You know, another reason why you do trade for somebody like that is so other teams don't get them, don't get them. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I completely understand trading for Stephon Gilmore is not good business at this point. And part of this has to do with with uh, lasting effects of Steve Kime not being able to deal with the cap. Larry Fitzgerald probably getting paid $8 million more than, than he's probably worth at this point. And I mean, on the field, with on the field production. Larry Fitzgerald is the greatest Cardinal ever. He will go down as the greatest Cardinal ever unless Kyler Murray wins a Super Bowl or two. And... You just have to pay him his his fee of the one-year $11 million. But this is the second year in a row where he doesn't deserve it. And this is just something you have to grin and bear when you make the deals like that. And they signed some guys from the linebacking court. They signed Jordan Phillips to a lot of money. And this is just a situation where, yes, this team has gotten so much better. And we saw, said before the season that we know one thing to be true. Their floor is higher than it was last year. And that is what happens with an organically grown team. Your floor is higher than it was last year. That's how you grow. And if that means missing out on guys like this at the trade deadline, so be it. And you can't have it all. But, I mean, the fact that like if if Stephon Gilmore goes to a team that they – in the if he goes to the NFC, he's going to a contender. So you're going to see him somewhere. And, listen, he's 30 years old. And he he's the reigning defensive player of the year. You could say, hey, that's Belichick, or hey, that's just Stephon Gilmore, or you could say, hey, that's the Patriots' terrible schedule last year when they started seven and zero, when they looked like the greatest defense to ever grace the the gridiron. But who knows? I mean, at this point, it's like the Cardinals can't make a move with, for that, and you just hope that yeah, that Seattle doesn't pull another rabbit out of its hat, or the 49ers don't pull a rabbit out of its hat, and and they uh, they don't acquire him. So quickly, you would, yeah, you would hope that Niners take on that salary and yeah. give up some draft capital. Yeah, that. no, for sure. I mean, that's true. And let, listen, I, I, Nick Mullins isn't going to beat you. Nick Mullins. Well, I, I know it was garbage time on Sunday, but he looked better than Jimmy G, and he's going to be the starter yeah. moving forward. I would assume. Um, quickly here before we get out of here, who's the one person that you want to see more out of? This is offense or defense that you want to see more out of. Can we just remove Isaiah Simmons from this? Let's remove Isaiah Simmons from this. I think we just you need to mention him. Yeah, I think, okay. I think that that's the obvious on, one. That's the yeah, obvious each, one. Each side of the ball, there's a guy, right? There's Isabella on the offense, and then there's Simmons on the on the defensive side. You're just gonna those are the guys that are always gonna be there in that conversation. Right. But I think that moving past that, there's one guy that I really want to see more out of. And it's not that he hasn't played; he's played poorly in the first half of the season. But I don't. I think that if the Cardinals are going to take it to the next level, this guy needs to be another anchor on the defense, and it's Byron Murphy. So okay. we saw; we've already seen a jump from year one to year two, and a lot of it has to do with Buda Baker raising his game to the point where he's looked at as a top three safety in the league right now, and then Patrick Peterson being on the field and the linebacking core being better, and them getting some sort of pass rush with this newfangled uh, Vance Joseph jail, jail, jailbreak blitz package 
that has kind of changed the way this defense plays. But Byron Murphy has shown already through seven games way more than he showed last year. He's growing. And if he can turn into not necessarily a lockdown guy, but a guy that you can trust, maybe it's rushing the passer, maybe it's in coverage, but a fusion of a fusion of the two and just showing that he holds some weight on the 11 on the field for the Cardinals defense every week would prove huge dividends for the future of this team, especially, again, rookie-scale contract. Him and Buda are young, and if those two guys are going to be the anchors moving forward, the Cardinals will be in a very good spot. Who's yours? Yeah, I agree. I th- I, I, I like what Byron Murphy's done so far as far as pass def- uh, passes defended. He's got the tied for the most with the Cardinals this season with Patrick Peterson with four. He had the one that sealed the game in San Francisco in the end zone against Trent Taylor. Um, and then you mentioned the sack, his versatility. He's shown some of that this year. So I like what I've seen. Wouldn't mind seeing more. I mean, he's a second round pick and to kind of show that, Hey, maybe if, if there's a future without P2, Byron Murphy can be the guy that can step up. But as far as my guy goes, it's, it's going to be, I'm going between Devon Kennard and Jalen Thompson. And Jalen Thompson was a guy who missed time due to a hamstring, but he was one of those guys that was rumblings in the off season of who could be this guy that could emerge that you don't know a whole lot of if you're from an imposing team's uh, fan base. And I think Jalen Thompson has the ability to play the other safety position at a high level opposite Buda Baker. And he could, you know, I, that would just take this defense to another level. Uh, I mentioned Kennard because, you know, it's been nice seeing five sacks from Hassan Reddick. And if he's that guy and can continue to be that guy going forward, maybe, you know, Kennard doesn't have to emerge. But he was a guy that you added this offseason to supplement your pass rush. And we've seen two sacks from him, but he's also been hobbled by injuries. I wouldn't see mind seeing him pick up some of the slack left in the absence of Chandler Jones. But I'd love to see Jalen Thompson because I think that the talent's there for him to produce. And with him being healthy, it would be huge for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, he seemed like this to be the steal of the supplemental draft when he was drafted a couple years ago. And yeah. just Pacific Northwest, baby. He was Washington State, right? So you have yep. Buda Baker and Byron Murphy from Washington, Jalen Thompson from Washington State, guys that played at what, eleven thirty PM Eastern, the majority of their the majority of their college career that nobody knew. And this could be like we're looking for the nucleus of this defense that could be young, crazy talented, and with what Vance Joseph has done with his DBs, you're you're starting to see like Kyler Murray's grown from year one to the middle of year two. You're starting to see Vance Joseph's defense start to pay dividends, and if he's going to use these guys like Jimmy Johnson did by bringing DBs and playing them as linebackers and pass rushers at Miami, University of Miami, and then with the Cowboys, if that's going to be the stencil, make this a ball-hawking, opportunistic, blitz-all-night defense, it could be so fun for the future. And when you have guys like this that Jalen Thompson hits hard, Deontay Thompson hits hard, Buda Baker hits hard, you saw Byron Murphy light up Russell Wilson, like... This is a situation where we could be on the precipice of something great with the perfect defensive coordinator to run it because if Vance Joseph knows anything, it's DBs. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked on Cardinals. If anything happens after before the trade deadline, Bo and I will crack the mics again. We'll do an emergency podcast afterwards. If not, we will talk to you tomorrow.